Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Well, something is in the air, as it often is in June, around this time, June and July. Uh, there are two weddings going to be happening within this next week, people in our Sangha. Kevin Griffin, who does the sound usually and usually sits right over there, is, uh, is going to be married next Thursday night. Um, I'm doing the ceremony, and uh, so I'm not going to be here. It's good reason. And uh, actually, I'm going to stay for the party afterwards. And Kevin's a really hot rock and roll guitarist. And he's asked me to sing a few things with him, so I couldn't pass that up. <clears throat> so uh, that's, this, uh, that's next, next Thursday. Also, this Saturday, um, a couple who comes and sits here, Harper Mann and Linda Hagenjoss, they're not here tonight, are they? I'd be surprised if they're, they're getting married in two days. Um, they're getting married. So tonight I wanted to talk about the practice of intimate relations. And uh, I should also add that something that's unusual uh, out of the normal is that my wife, Jane, is here because so my, my son is at camp and she gets to come. So this is very brave of me to talk about this and my wife here. <clears throat> Hi, dear. <laughs> and I just want to say off the bat that I'm no expert on this. Just want to give you my meanderings in my mind. And maybe we can have some uh, discussion. Love in, uh, in relationship, or intimacy in relationship as a practice. And when I talk about this, I first want to say that um, this can be applied whether you're not in a primary intimate relationship or in a very close friendship where there's a lot of love. It's the same principles apply. It's often not difficult, it's often not easy, uh, it's often difficult when you're so close with someone that they know all your stuff and you know all their stuff and you try to bring compassion and wisdom as best you can and there you are losing it. It's very humbling, isn't it? Also want to put a word in for um, the monastic life, you know. <laughs> not suggesting that that's the, uh, that's the only alternative or the right answer, um, but if you're not in relationship or you find that that is your, uh, that solitude is your path, the Buddha talked very highly about um, the single life. 
and said, in some ways, it's the optimal one, the, the, the best vehicle for deep practice because it is a lot less complicated than the path of relationship. And yet, unless you're pulled to that, for many of us, uh, the monastic life doesn't seem to be our path out in the world. And whether or not you're in a monastery, there are plenty of things to be worked out in relationship with the other people living there. And I've had some really wonderful discussions with Ajahn Amro and Ajahn Sumedho about uh, the challenges of monastic life and relationship there. But tonight I want to focus mainly on relationship outside monasticism. I should mention also that, that the Buddha talked about the lay life uh, with, with real um, appreciation and support, considering that part of the Eightfold Path things like right speech, right action, and right livelihood are integral parts of the Eightfold Path. He didn't suggest that we should just retreat from the world and simplify our life that way. In fact, as you know, you've heard me mention in the, in the Donna talk, uh, he set it up so that there would be this interrelationship between the monastics and uh, the lay sangha uh, to support each other. And there's one, um, one sutta, one discourse, about the duties and relationships between um, husband and wife and um, children and parents and parents and children and so forth. But it is a difficult practice. You see all your stuff. You see all the conditioned patterns that you wish you didn't see, especially once you start practicing mindfulness, and there it is, you're aware in spades of just how, um, how much more you have to wake up. You see your projections, you see the way you polarize with somebody. It's this real fascinating thing. We, we, most of us hunger so much for intimacy, and yet we're also very afraid of it. It's scary. Things change. We can't count on our dreams or on our circumstances to be the same. And what really amazes me is thinking about how many people get together, fall in love, whatever that is, feel very close, want to commit to spend their lives together, and then as they go through this dance, through this practice, so often find it so hard to stay with each other. And we all know, you know the rates of divorce are astronomical in, in our culture. Now think about that. These are people who come together out of love, out of a deep commitment, who then have such a hard time staying together. It makes you wonder how hard it is, or it's no wonder how hard it is that humans who don't love each other 
have a hard time getting along. Uh, <laughs> and there's something particularly poignant about a relationship of people very close, how when it's going well, you know the dance so perfectly, it's just wonderful harmony, and you can take each other to tremendous heights of, of openness and, and love. And when things aren't going so well, you know each other so well that you know exactly how to step on each other's toes in that dance, like nobody else can. When I first was, uh, was getting uh, married, it was scary for me. I knew that I'd found the right person for it. It was this sense of, ah, finally, coming home. But I didn't know if I was up for the institution, if I could trust myself enough, if I had that kind of constancy and loyalty, and I was really scared. Sylvia Borstein said something that was um, very helpful for me. She said, don't worry, the first 15 years are the hardest. <laughs> that gave me some space to kind of, you know, it's a little latitude to play around in. And I'm happy to say that in uh, a little less than two months, Jane and I are going to celebrate our 15th anniversary. So this will be a big one because I think we finally got it enough together that we we know the dance and, and do it pretty well. Not perfectly, mind you, but pretty well. <clears throat> Love, what is it? This, this mysterious quality that draws us to each other. I was remembering as I was as I was sitting here, I'm just remembering this um, uh, beautiful piece by Brian Swim, the book uh, Universe is a Green Dragon, where he talks about one of the cosmic forces. He's a, a, both an astronomer and a, um, an astrophysicist and also a theologian. And he talks about one of the basic qualities in the universe as allurement. There is this... Um, force of attraction in whatever level we call it, whether it's molecular or galactic or gravitational, that draws things to each other. There is this sense of wanting to merge. And love can be thought of as the glue that holds the universe together. And in us, in human beings, it comes out as what we call love. This yearning to merge. That's really what it seems to me is, is the essence of it, this yearning to lose our sense of separateness into a sense of connection and completeness. Now, in that merging, it gets scary because we also can merge so much that we lose our boundaries, we lose our sense of self. And they're both important. We can give ourselves up so much in relationship 
that we forget who we are, and that can be scary. And this is from uh, John Wellwood. There's a, a good book that I'll, I'll quote a few passages from called Journey of the Heart on Conscious Relationships. He says, Here in the co-emergence of love and fear, we feel the paradox of being human in a most poignant way. It would be so much easier if we could just remain self-contained and establish an impeccable set of conditions to protect us from risk. Or if we could simply open to someone without question, let ourselves go, and completely lose ourselves in merging together. Yet both these alternatives undermine love, for they destroy the tension between self and other, known and unknown, that love actually thrives on. There is this dance of being within yourself and feeling whole, and then moving out and connecting with, with another. And what happens, what can get really confusing, is when we think that that love that we want so much resides in that other person. Because if you think that, then what happens when they go? You're left without love. And if that happens, even before they go, there can be this sense of of impotence or of resentment that, that somebody can have that much power over you. And so we find ways to, um, to either undermine that relationship or to hold on to it. And it brings up a lot of stuff. Again, this is from John Wellwood. He says, The inexhaustible richness of life is, in Buddhist terms, a wish-fulfilling gem because it provides us with everything we need, the richness of life. Yet when we fall in love, we usually imagine the beloved rather than life itself to be the wish-fulfilling gem who can make all our dreams come true. So to the extent that we do not feel deeply connected with the life moving inside us, we come to depend on something outside ourselves to enrich us. In regarding the focus of our passion, the beloved, as a treasure to possess, we convert our unconditioned passion into something conditional and grasping. How alive I would feel, how beautiful life would be, if only this person belonged to me. Yet grasping at another person only magnifies our inner sense of poverty and leads to the torments of romantic addiction and obsession. Love becomes a drug and the loved one becomes the addicted lover's fix. So it gets twisted in that way. You've heard me talk before about the, the, um, the quality of metta, loving kindness, as being a sublime abode, love, a sublime abode, universal love, where it is not discriminated, and the, the near enemy of love being attachment, 
It disguises as love. It looks like love, but it is a contracted space. It is wanting to hold on, wanting to possess, fearing. This is very different from the expansive love that doesn't want anything. Now, if there were no difficulties in a relationship, it'd be kind of suspicious, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you, when you hear, oh, everything is wonderful, and that's been what the couple has said for the last 10 years, you know, sometimes makes me wonder, what's really going on there? We never fight. We never fight. It's suspicious because when you're that close to each other, if you're really growing together, if you're moving into new territory, new levels of intimacy, as you move into the unknown, you start to feel your edge. And that unknown brings up fear and adjustment and and growing pains. So it's quite natural for there to be difficulties. I uh, came across this book, actually it was sent to me by uh, uh, another person in our community um, who wrote, this, co-authored this book. It's called Making, Making It Through the Night, How Couples Can Survive a Crisis Together. It's really well done by Pat Quigley and Marilyn Schroyer. And they make the point that couples who go through crises and survive are really stronger through that process. That it helps them understand and learn how they can deal with almost anything. And it brings forth qualities out of them that they perhaps didn't know existed. In one chapter, uh, there were... um, Something in common is the name of the chapter. Different ingredients that, as they looked at couples, uh, were common denominators for couples who survive crises, difficulties. So I, I thought I'd share it with you, these with you. The first one is commitment. Surprise. What is commitment? Sometimes people ask me that. You know, I give a a talk on impermanence and they say, well, how can there be commitment if everything changes? It's a good question. It's a very legitimate question. The way I see commitment is it's not about keeping everything the same, but it's about learning to be through all the changes together having that intention to just be there for the adventure through what all the life's changes bring out of a spirit of adventure, a spirit of practice, a spirit of loyalty, and realizing that this is somebody who, if I go through this and do it well, is going to really help me wake up and grow. This is from um, Susan Campbell. 
quote here. What does this commitment feel like? Susan Campbell in The Couple's Journey describes it best. We're on this roller coaster till the end of the ride, and we intend to stay on it, but that doesn't mean we don't experience the ups and downs in ways that often make us feel like getting off. It takes that intention of commitment, and there are going to be ups and downs. This is from one, one person talking about their relationship. With 32 years together, she said, I can say this with certainty. 75% of the time, I love my husband a lot. The other 25% is divided into times when I wish I'd never lays, laid eyes on him and times when I feel neither positive nor negative, but rather blah about us. The way I see it, our 75% of the time when we find joy, passion, and quiet contentment together, that percentage isn't bad, not bad at all. So it becomes worth it. You need to have some nourishment in your relationship if you want to stay with it. Another common factor that they found were couples that valued individuality, where each person in the relationship brings a spirit of wholeness to the relationship. And that is very different than enmeshment, than need, than I'm half and lacking without this other half. That really breeds a sense of poverty and fear. But if each person values the individuality of the other, values each other's view. Remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about different kinds of views? You know, those that go around trying to convince people of their views, go around the world annoying people, that was the phrase. You know. Well, it's really challenging sometimes to let the person you love have their view. You know. Don't they get it? Don't they see the right way? Yeah. Well, those relationships that survive honor each other's view. You're not trying to convince the person that they should be different. You know, maybe you do that for the first hour or 15 years. Or <laughs> but at some point, it's, oh, this person has, has their own take on things. And actually, when you can approach it in a way that says, oh, I respect this person. I want to hear what they have to say, their perspective. Perhaps if I listened and acknowledged, I could really understand another position. And even more, if I listen and acknowledge them, maybe they'll even listen and acknowledge me too. It usually works that way. So this is another thing, valuing individuality. A third quality is couples who express and practice their love regularly. That is, 
they find ways that nourish themselves and are willing to take the risk of appreciating each other and sharing the fact, hey, I think you're really neat. I, I love you. Or finding it in some other way to say it. Although that's not a bad way to come out right out and say it. But there's lots of different ways we can show it. Now, for some people, what's needed is a little bit of space. And then they are able to feel nourished enough to, um, to share their appreciation, their love. For others, they are more wanting to share together and find that is, is the best way or the optimal environment for them to express themselves. Remember when I was getting at our wedding, um, one, one friend was going around interviewing others and, um, about advice that, uh, uh, that people had for us. And um, he interviewed his wife and, uh, and, he, and she said, take lots of vacations together. Actually, I should say it was his ex-wife. <laughs> They're very good friends. Right? And he said, gee, that's funny. I told them to take lots of vacations apart. You know, <laughs> just give each other space. Whatever works for you in finding the balance between what gives you the nourishing environment to express your caring, to show your caring, to show your forgiveness. And it's very empowering when you forgive. That comes up a lot in relationships. The person who can forgive is really the person who is saying, yes, I, uh, I honor you. It's a, it's, a, it's a movement towards empowerment. The one who is forgiving feels empowered. So that's a third. Commitment, valuing individuality, expressing and, pr and practicing their love. Fourth out of six trusting themselves. When you trust yourself enough, then you're able to be honest and to be clear and to just let somebody know where you're at. But if you don't, you're trying to mind read and figure out what the other person wants. And as we grow into relationship together, there can be more of an inner strength and, and trust. Fifth quality having good support systems, having good friends, having a recourse for counseling, having something outside the relationship that you don't depend exclusively on each other. One of the best support systems that I can think of is the Dharma and the Sangha. If two people are in the relationship to help each other grow and wake up and have a kind of spiritual foundation for their process, that takes the heat off of each other filling the other's needs. You're both moving towards something greater than what you each possess, towards creating something larger and towards that evolution of awakening. <clears throat> so that's the fifth, support systems. 
And the last one that they seem to see as a common um, characteristic was being inspiring and influencing others. That going through their own difficulties, really strong relationships can be very inspiring. It gives other people (coughs) the possibility of saying, yeah, wow, it's really possible. And what what really helps is the fact that suffering deepens our compassion. So when you go through that, you can really be there for other people who are going through their own difficulties. Now, what what does it take intrapersonally to bring to a relationship that will work? Intention, that's like commitment. Awareness, it takes a lot of courage. To me, it takes gentleness, a really kind heart, and a lot of patience. A lot of patience, because you go through your ups and downs. When I uh, work with people, and I've I've done actually lots of weddings, I love doing weddings if if it works out in my schedule, because it's like a time that everybody comes together to just celebrate love. And for me, it was one of the happiest days in my life much to my amazement. It just worked out that way. Wow, this is fantastic. And so people come together and are celebrating love, and the two people that are getting married are really a kind of excuse for everybody to come together and celebrate love. And it's, it, it's wonderful that everybody is cheering them on, saying, yeah, yeah, but when people are crying and they're, they're touched, it's, oh, wow, isn't this this ma- amazing, magical quality that human beings can feel. When people come together, uh, what I do is I have them answer a series of questions uh, so I get to know them a bit better. And the last two questions that I I ask are, um, what do you think this relationship needs to flourish? What ingredients, if a genie came along and said, okay, we'll give it We'll give you everything you need. What would you say is needed? And some people, each, each in, uh, couple and each person is unique, obviously. But to reflect on that and seeing what can, uh, what can help this relationship thrive. And then the last question I ask is, what are you willing to bring to this relationship to make that happen towards that end? So relationship is a very powerful practice. It's a fantastic teacher to show you your fears, to show you the possibilities of intimacy. When somebody asks, um, is this relationship good for me before they're about to get married or they're in a, re- in a relationship that's, that's trying at times, I, I ask, well, are you growing in the relationship? And do you feel good about yourself being around this person? Because if you don't feel good around yourself consistently, there's something, I think, to check out. And as far as the growing, is this person helping you wake up? You don't know all the answers beforehand. You can't, there's no guarantees where the relationship will take you to. 
but as you move on this adventure together, life becomes more and more revealing. And this is a, a beautiful quote from Rilke. He says, Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms or books that are written in a foreign tongue. The point is to live everything. Live the question now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live your way some distant day into the answers. It's a wonderful spirit of adventure to enter into a relationship with. So I'd like to close with something that um, I hope is okay. And that is, especially since my wife is here, I'd like, you to, uh, I'd like to read to you our vows that, um, that we said to each other, which kind of sums up what I think about commitment. I'll read mine first. That was the order it was said. And Jane was the powerhouse that day. She just came right out with it. Jane, I choose you as my life partner. I acknowledge the union between us and through our marriage seek to deepen that union. We've been given to each other to awaken in us those qualities that will help us realize our full potential. I intend to use our relationship to deepen my capacity for love, kindness, and compassion. I promise to be sensitive to your feelings and perceptions. I honor your individuality and seek to build a relationship not based on right or wrong, but rather on mutual commitment to truth. I promise to use our relationship as a vehicle to practice patience, forgiveness, trust, and understanding. I encourage your growth and development in all areas, and am committed to being a supportive, loyal companion who is on your side through all of life's changes. The love created by our union is greater than the sum of what we individually possess. I hope our marriage will be a source of inspiration to touch and awaken the love in others we know. I love you, Jane, and look forward to sharing our life together. And this was Jane's. Jamie, it's the days of Jamie. Jamie? I acknowledge my love and respect for you and invite you to share my life as I hope to share yours. I promise to energetically nurture the love between us so that our relationship will continue to grow and to blossom. I support you for being who you are. I honor your uniqueness and know that our marriage will be strengthened 
by our ability to be separate as well as together. I promise to be conscious of your development as well as my own, and I will strive to make our differences work for us instead of against us. I will practice seeing problems as challenges, as opportunities to grow, to trust, to wake up. Through awareness, kindness, honesty, patience, trust, and continuing effort, I shall seek the life with you that we have envisioned together. A life of love and contribution to each other, to our families, to our friends, and to our community. Fifteen years, we made it here. <laughs> so, I think I'll stop here and take any comments. No questions? <laughs> no answers? <laughs> Please pass in the back and use the talking stick. Speak right into it. Say your name. We wrote them out separately, and then we shared them and helped each other get clear on exactly what we wanted to say, and actually worked with the person who married us, who is somebody we respected uh, very much. Yeah. Thank you. When you're just getting to know somebody, there's different levels of intimacy that that you need to, that it seems to me, need to be honored. You can't jump the gun before there's a sense of 
friendliness and trust and affection and then perhaps leading to some, you know, if there's erotic feelings, um, those need to be nurtured and, and really met with each other so that one person's idea of intimacy isn't confused with another one and um, that if you move through those steps together and have very honest communication, it's really wonderful. And if you don't, it's really, it's really a difficulty and there's surprises. So communication throughout the process seems to be really the key before it gets to... What's that? Timing is not only timing, but just really getting a, a sense of where your relationship is at as you as you go through it. So you're both going together. Yeah, please uh, say your name. It's really beautiful to share that. I really appreciate it. And you have a lot of company. Lots of company. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that he says is about looking how we are mirrors for each other and when somebody presses your buttons, take a look and see what in there is so hard for you, what you're looking to feel completed from that other person. It's, there's a doorway right there, but very few people understand and see that while they're in the middle of it. So thanks for sharing that, Ed. That's wonderful. Welcome. Glad you're here. John. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of love.
Never too late. Mm-hmm. How do you feel having stayed through it? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, well, I think really the thing is to see that this is, you're not alone, and it does take work, even the best relationships. You know, we, we've gone through lots of, lots of dips in the roller coaster, you know, but through it all, I think if you can get clear that you're both in this, you're both, uh, you both have the intention to make it work. That's the key. Then you can go for resources and ways to, to help the better the communication. And so that, that's something maybe you, know, you might explore together. No, we are Patience. Yeah. No, patience. Anybody else? Yeah. Of couples that that have that make it, uh, it was um, valuing individuality. That is honoring each other's views and coming wholeness and expressing and practicing their love. Showing your love. Right. 
Okay, so um, we can close with a, a loving kindness. And uh, I hope next week when Lee is, is here, and it, it really feels good actually that Lee is being uh, is the speaker, so it's a it's a group. Our community can uh, can just it's a community effort. I'm going to be there with uh, with Kevin and Rosemary, and uh, and I'll be thinking of you here, and also um, hope that you can think of us. So, and also all the best to both Kevin and Rosemary, and Harper and Linda. So. Feel your heart. Isn't it wonderful that we can feel our hearts and they can be touched and touch others? Even though it's scary and sometimes vulnerable, it feels so good to feel ourselves with hearts that can be open. And breathe through that heart center Filling yourself with loving energy from the universe. And then breathing it out, surrounding yourself, extending it out. then a few moments of forgiveness. Perhaps there's some old wounds or hurts that are hard to let go of that you've helped create or that others have. If I've caused any harm or suffering to anyone, I ask your forgiveness now. If anyone has hurt me through their actions, I forgive you. I forgive your confusion. And forgiveness towards yourself. If you're not ready to forgive, I forgive myself for being just where I am. Or what else needs forgiveness? My impatience, my judgment, my fears. Forgive yourself. And send some kind thoughts to yourself. May I be safe from inner and outer harm. May I be healthy and strong. May I be happy with the blessings in my life.
may I have inner peace. Now include others, perhaps everyone here, other people in your life, in that loving kindness. May we all be safe from harm. May we be strong and healthy. May we have happiness in our lives. Appreciate the love that we have. May we have inner peace. And then extending out from this room, from our circle of friends in our life, to include all beings nearby, all people, animals, creatures, and then including all beings throughout this country and throughout the world and in all directions, all beings everywhere. May all beings be safe from harm. May all be strong. May all beings have happiness in in their lives. May all beings be in peace. Thank you. This talk was given by James Barris at Insight Meditation Society on June 26, 1998. It is an offering of the Dharma Seed Audio Archive. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.